Our theme for this morning is the glory of God in eternity. And so this Psalm 111 rings out those themes, and you'll hear that as we read together. Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to get together today around Your Word again, knowing that we are filled with Your Spirit, we ask that You would speak to us through Your Word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see Your glory. May we be delighted, Father, to see You more clearly and anticipate the day when we will be with You, when we will see the Son unveiled in all of His glory, and we will burn with His glory ourselves and reflect Him perfectly. Father, there is an infinite amount of pleasures that we look forward to when we are with You. Indeed, this life will grow strangely dim and all the things of this earth will pass away. But those who are in Christ will never pass away. You will always be our God. Christ will always be our shepherd. We will always be your sheep. And Father, we we are longing for that day. So show us more. Paul prayed it. That our eyes would be enlightened. That we would know. That we would know the hope to which we have been called that we would see the glory of our inheritance. Father, give us insight, we pray today, that our hearts may be stirred, that we would be able then to be changed and live rightly in this present world. We ask it for these, all these things for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> The glory of God in eternity, over the last several sessions, we've certainly frequented the book of Ephesians. It's one of those books that keeps calling us back to itself to behold the glory of God in salvation. Ephesians 2.7 says, so that in the coming ages, He might show 
the immeasurable riches of His kindness, of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ. This is a, a fantastic verse because it gives us right in the middle of the doctrine of salvation, the purpose for which God brings us to life. You were dead. I was dead in sin. And He brought us to life. Why? So that, for this reason, so that in the coming ages, He might show us something. God wants you to see something forever. Something that unfolds endlessly. Something that you will marvel at forever. He might show us something that is immeasurable, the text says. And what is it? The riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ. Can you comprehend something of this? I, I, I can't get my mind around this. That God's kindness, His grace and kindness toward us in Christ, the salvation that we enjoy, is of immeasurable proportions. We have not yet begun to understand a fraction of how kind God has been to us. And so for all of eternity, He's going to show it to us. There's so much yet that we don't know. There's so much we haven't seen. When do you feel the most joy in your life? Isn't it when, as a believer, God opens your eyes to understand something of the glories of salvation? That is the pinnacle of the Christian experience in this earth. It's something even that we live to repeat over and over again. And yet that is going to be our experience for eternity. God is going to show us things that will absolutely cause us to marvel. We will perceive and experience the glory of God forever. And why is He going to? So that then we can reflect praise and glory back to Him. Ephesians 1, 6, 12, and 14. Jeremy pointed these verses out yesterday as he shared the Word with us. It's going to be to the praise of His glorious grace. This is why He saves people. To the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Over and again, we will praise the glory of God forever. The main idea that I have in mind for us this morning really comes from Ephesians 1, 17-18. It's a prayer. It's something I want for us. It's something I want for myself. That God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is called the Father of glory, would give us something. He would give us the spirit of wisdom. That we would have things revealed to us. That the knowledge of Christ would be revealed to us. That our eyes would be enlightened. The eyes of our heart. That we would, we would say, I see this. I understand something of this. And that through that enlightenment, we would know what is the hope to which He has called us. Do you keep in your mind's eye, do you have in your mind's eye where God is calling you to? You know what's ahead. We don't think about it very much as we ought, do we? What is coming for us? The hope. When, when the Bible talks about hope, 
It's not an I, I wish that this will happen. The Bible talks about hope. It talks about an absolute certainty that is based on the promises of God. It's a future perspective of absolute confidence that God will do what he has said. Do you know then the hope to which he has called you? And restating that hope, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? There is an inheritance that we will receive in Christ that is of profound resource. It absolutely glorious. And so Paul is writing these things because he wants us to see it, something of it, ahead of time. So that our perspectives would be fixed. So that we would live for that day and not momentary, immediate gratification in this world. So, let's take a look at what that is. Before we do, <clears throat> let me remind you, I, I put this slide up yesterday. What is the glory of God? Again, it's something that can be a little bit challenging to define. And as I look at many different references in the Scriptures, seeing how the word glory is used, I see it used kind of in, in four different ways. One, it's the radiance of God. It's God's perfections put on display. When we say the word that God has perfections, what we're talking about is his character. Because everything that God is, is flawless, right? So we call it a perfection. <clears throat> God loves. We love. But we don't love like God loves. Our love is so different than his. His is a perfection. And we, our love, our love is simply what we try to do in reflection of God. God is the sum total of his perfections. That's why the scriptures say things like, God is love. God is light. The radiance of God is his perfections put on display. Remember, God is a spirit, right? So we can't see him. We can't touch him. So then how do we know what he is like? Through his glory. He puts who he is on display. So we, we can see it. We can experience it. The radiance of God, that's the glory of God. His complete perfections put on display, made visible, audible, tangible. Like it says, the glory of God in the heavens is declared. Or Psalm 24, he is the king of glory. Not only that, but the glory of God is also, like we said, experience. It's an experience of God. <clears throat> it's a great gift of God that we can receive and enjoy his perfections. It's not just that God is love, but we experience God's love in Christ. We know something of what it is like to be loved. Love is part of God's glory, and we experience it. We see it. We've heard it. We can feel it. We know that He loves us. The psalmist writes of these things. My salvation and my glory. Afterward, you will receive me to glory to the perfect experience of the attributes or the perfections of God. <clears throat> it's also the reflection of God. We can reflect the glory of God like mirrors. It's His perfections imitated, channeled, magnified. 
We are transformed from one degree of glory to another. But then glory is all, the word glory is also used for the exaltation of God. It's almost used synonymously with praise. We praise the Lord. We glorify the Lord. It doesn't mean we make Him something that He is not. It simply means that we admire Him for who He is. We exalt in Him. Like the psalmist writes, sing the glory of His name. Glory in His holy name. This is the glory of God. I visualize, visualize it something like this. God, being the yellow triangle, causes His attributes to be directed toward us. We experience them. Then we reflect them to someone else. And they see a little bit of God's attributes in us. And then, both then return praise to God. This is all glory. And this is, this is what we will experience in eternity. And remember, this kind of thing isn't just experienced as we're sitting in a church service. This is what we experience every day of our lives. We see it in creation. We enjoy it in our work. We can reflect the glory of God. We enjoy the glory of God in everything we do, as long as it's righteous and honoring to Him. How are we going to talk this morning about glorifying God and enjoying the glory of God forever? Well, I wanted to do this study together by looking at some doxologies in Scripture. Doxology, to give weight to God with our words. The Apostle Paul breaks into these these hymns of praise, as it were, at the end of so many places in his writing. So we're going to look at some of these today. There are there's so many doxologies all over the Scripture, but I'm narrowing it down to those that include words like forever or eternal. Because what we see there is that we that to God be glory about something forever. So we're declaring that these realities are ongoing eternally, and therefore they should be praised in God forever. How long will we praise God for these realities? For as long as He remains who He is, which is forever. So, as we look at these doxologies together, we ask the question, about what then will we praise God forever? Isn't that a neat question to ask? What? What glory of God will you experience forever? And what will you have to praise Him about forever? There are eight things. Glory of God and His perfections in the Gospel. His work through the church. The meeting of our needs. Keeping us, bringing us home. Our spiritual transformation. Restoration from affliction. And certainly in the cross. Let's look at these. First of all, the glory of God and His perfections. He will never get old. The glory of God will never get all His perfections to us. Look at this. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. 
Here's the doxology. It ends with, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The word glory doesn't appear at the end of this doxology, but it may as well honor. To God, honor forever. God, we want you. You deserve to be in the place of dominion forever. That's a doxology. Oh, Paul comes to this, but what has been on his heart? What is he seeing here? I just underlined some things. God is the one who gives life to all things. He is the only and blessed sovereign. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one who alone has immortality. He cannot die. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. Keep these phrases in mind. We'll, we'll refer to them in just a moment. Look at Revelation 4, 8-11. through And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they, here it is, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, And thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they exist and were created. Isn't an interesting phrase there right in the middle? They cast their crowns. What is that? But to attribute to God all things. This that I have brought is something that people praise me for. This crown that I have won. But no, it's not me. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you, God. You have done this in me and through me and for me. So many things just from these texts. We see the word holy come up. We will praise forever the uniqueness of every attribute of God. That's what the word holy means. One of a kind. Uncommon. The uniqueness of every act of God. The uniqueness of the attributes and acts yet unknown to us. I hope you've, you've thought of this such a glorious thing. There's so many things that you could write down on a piece of paper and say, I know this about God. You could, you could make a two-column chart. God's acts God's attributes. How many of God's acts could you write down? How many of God's attributes could you write down? I think we'd run out pretty quick, right? We don't know a fraction of who God is. There's so many things we yet do not know, words that we have not yet spoken. But I believe that when we get to eternity, we will learn things about God that we didn't even know He was. Things done that we didn't know He did. We have eternity ahead of us to know the greatest and the best of beings. How glorious is our God. Just as his, each of His attributes is infinite and limitless, so is certainly the number of attributes that belong to Him. We don't know the portion of God's attributes. He's the life giver. He's the, light, he's the creator. And think about it. He's the one who created all things. Do you know all things that God has created? There are places in the depths of the ocean 
that we don't even know what's there yet. And yet God has made all things. And eternity is going to be a time where God then parades before us the glory and the uniqueness of all things that He's created. That's what, that's what they're giving praise over. You have created all things. What are these all things? All things call glory to God. Certainly in these, in these doxologies, we see reference to His sovereignty. How many times did you see the word throne? He's the one who sits on the throne. The one who is immortal. He doesn't die. He is invincible. He dwells in a light that is unapproachable. His enemies cannot approach him to to disrupt him or, or threaten him. He is invincible. He's invisible to us. He's eternal. He's the sustainer. It said, you you created all things, and by your will they what? Exist. How does God sustain everything? And he is certainly deserving of all his praise because of his worth. He is worthy of this. We have so much to learn of our God, and we will for all of eternity. And we will praise him for all of eternity. Secondly, the glory of God in the gospel. Paul completes a section of the book of Romans with this doxology. The book of Romans is gold. In the scriptures, right? Romans 1 speaks of the glory of God in creation and how men suppress it in their desire for sin. Romans 2 speaks of the reality that religion cannot get you to God. It just puts you in a place of higher accountability. Romans 3 lays bare the sinfulness of man. And yet it says the whole world is stopped. Their mouths are stopped before God and God has provided someone to die and bring propitiation in our place. Romans 4 talks about the nature of saving faith. Romans 5, the blessings of justification and the movement from being in Adam to being in Christ. Romans 6, being set free from slavery to sin. Romans 7, the struggle with sin, yet concluding with the truth that we are set free in Christ. Romans 8, (laughs) <laughs> the, the pinnacle of the chapter of Romans that God is so good to us in Christ. Nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 9, the mystery of election. Romans 10, the calling of the Word of God to summon people to salvation that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 11, the promises of God that will not be turned aside, thwarted to save all whom He will. And Paul's writing these words upon words, demonstrating the glory of the gospel. And he comes to this and he's, he's just overwhelmed with everything that's just come through his pen by divine inspiration. And he says, oh, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Look at how many of these terms describe the mind of God. Riches of wisdom and knowledge. In fact, he is so, can we use this word? He's so brilliant that his his ability to discern and differentiate his judgments are unsearchable. And how his ways are inscrutable. It's the word Jeremy referred to yesterday, unfathomable. His ways, you you try to use your your puny mental sonar 
to sound the depths of it, and you get nothing. The sound just keeps going. Because you can't plumb the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. And there's the question, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? All of us need counselors all through life. Not God. Whatever has He done that someone could look back at Him and say, here's a gift equal to what you've given me. You know, we do that with each other. Right? Hey, you had me over to your house, I'll have you over to mine. You know, but God gives us the gospel. What can we give Him in return? Nothing. Nothing measures up. Who has given Him a gift that He would be repaid? He's the source of everything. For from Him, through Him, He's the agent that brings all things about. And to Him, He is the end of all things. Therefore, to Him be the glory. This is all referring to the Gospel. All that Paul just wrote about in Romans 1 through 11. When you see the Gospel for what it is, in all of its detail. And how many of us have stopped learning about the Gospel? None of us. Isn't it true, the older you get, you're like, why didn't I know this already? How many of you said that, right? I've said that I don't know how many times. Why didn't I know this already? Like, I didn't see like this before. Like, that's eternity. Wow, the mind of God to write the gospel is unfathomable. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's another one. This gospel is what strengthens you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of this mystery, which we covered yesterday in Jeremy's session, the mystery of God welcoming all peoples. Yes, it was secret for long ages, but now disclosed, made known through prophetic writings, made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. And I want you to see something here. You're going to see a red box surrounding all of these little prepositions followed by the name of Jesus. Because what you will see is that Jesus Christ is the primary agent through which God is glorified. All things happen through Him, in Him. It's amazing to think. Glory forevermore. Through Jesus Christ, this gospel, the, 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 all the facets and mysteries of the gospel will be unfolded and we will glorify God in it forever. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Gave himself. That's the heart of the gospel. We will know the heart of the gospel like we have never known it before. We will see how He has truly delivered us like we will never, what we have never have seen. Deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. When will you ever tire in eternity of saying, God, thank you for delivering me from the evil age? I didn't go down with it. It's not my doing. It's by your will by the will of our God and Father. How glorious. We will be praising God forever. Paul writes, I thank Him who has given me strength. 
Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What is Paul focusing on here that causes him to come to that place where he says, glory to God forever and ever? He's remembering who he was before the gospel came to him. He is thinking of the attributes of God that obtained him through the gospel. This patience, this mercy. And he's astounded by what God has appointed him to in the gospel. Doesn't that, doesn't that grip you as well? You remember, who, who were you? Who were you? To what lengths did God reach to bring you into the gospel? What has he appointed, appointed you to in this life? What kind of patience has he shown you? What kind of mercy has he shown you? The more we understand these things, the more we will understand how easily we will praise God for these things forever. Number three, the glory of God in his work through the church. Again, Jeremy brought this message to us yesterday. And the text that he was in ends with this doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What, what, a, what a doxology this is. Jeremy so clearly brought out to us yesterday that we are his church and we are weak beings. God could have proclaimed the gospel to his sinful world any way that, he's cho- that he would choose, right? In fact, you remember in the book of Revelation, like Pastor Randy mentioned the other night, that in, during some point in the future, an angel will somehow traverse the globe proclaiming the eternal gospel to the unbelieving world. God could have done that. Could you imagine that God would just send angels everywhere in the world? I'm going to send angels to this country and that country, and these guys are like, everybody's like, whoa, I'll listen to this thing, right? When, when people saw angels, how did they feel throughout the Scriptures? Afraid. They're on their face. I'll receive whatever you say. You know, That would be a very different experience. But that's not what God has chosen, has He? What has God chosen to propagate the gospel in the world? The church. This is the one thing, this one organism that God said, through this, I will declare my gospel in this generation. A bunch of ignoble, poor, weak, sinful people, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, coming together and being overwhelmed with the gospel of God's grace. And he sends them out filled with his spirit. And he does through them far more than they could ever 
think or even ask for because of the Holy Spirit at work within us and because that makes God look really good. When God takes a broken and dull chisel and makes a masterpiece out of it, you don't look at the tool and say, I need to get that tool. You look at the craftsman and you say, what a master, right? That's the point of having a church. You say, God would be glorified. We will, we will be astounded at the stories that will be unfolded throughout eternity of how God used weak, broken, sinful people to save the nations. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get there. Look at this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, you see it here. Each one, each member of this, this weak, suffering church has received a gift from the Holy Spirit. God has endued that one with strength to use that gift. God has given His Word to be spoken through those vessels all for His glory, all through Jesus Christ. Number four, the glory of God in meeting our needs is something that I think will be rehearsed all through eternity. Why do I say that? Because of what Philippians 4, 16-20 says. Remember, again, Paul's in prison here, right, in Philippi. He's not in prison in Philippi, he's in prison in Rome, but when he writes to the Philippian church, he says this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift. Not that I seek you, that you would give me something. I actually am more, Paul is saying, I'm more focused on what is returned to you for having given the gift to me for the glory of God. Not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. Writing of these things, again, brings Paul to this doxology that he underscores with the word forever and ever. What's going on here? God is supplying to this poor church of Philippi just what they need to give something to help the Apostle Paul in prison. They're going to be rewarded for in eternity. And as they attribute their reward to God, He will be glorified. And God keeps supplying the needs to His people whom He has chosen to meet the needs of others. So all the glory goes to God. The gift is a fragrant offering to God. It's a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God when we give to meet the needs of others. God gives us, in a sense, fruit that increases to our credit. And in eternity, He's glorified for it. Again, I think of the stories that could be told all throughout eternity to redound to the praise of God. How that God supplied this person's need to give to that person so their need was met. 
and God's work was commenced. Number five, the glory of God to keep us and bring us home. To keep us and bring us home. 2 Timothy 4.18 The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember where Paul is? He's in the Mamertine prison in Rome. He's facing his martyrdom in a matter of days, weeks. And as he's writing these things, he's thinking of the Lord's very personal and powerful rescue in his life up to that very moment. The rescue. What has he been rescued from? Every evil deed. How much the Lord had brought him through up to that very point. How many, many, many different occasions of of near-death experiences, right? And Paul is completely confident in God to bring him safely to heaven very soon. I want you to think about that. I don't think we know the half of the evil that is working against us. How much you are dependent on God to keep you and to bring you safely home. Dear ones, if it was up to us in our own will and our own ability and our own discernment, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't hold on to salvation. We don't, we don't have the ability. But thankfully, God holds on to us. I mean, how often do we pray, Father, keep me, what, from the evil one? We only knew what was going on in heavenly places and how much God was protecting us from things we're unaware of on various levels. Yet the Lord is committed to that for those that belong to Him. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. It could be that God will unveil some of that to us in eternity. To say, I want you to look and see what was coming your way and you didn't have a clue. Right? Even, even you think, bring it down to our own lives. How much, how much do our children know that we protect them from as parents? They go about their lives so innocently sometimes, just rejoicing in the fun that they're having. And yet we're like, you know, couches are falling and, you know, bookshelves and, you know, and they're just walking through. But what about us and God? How much He is caring for us so that we are brought safely into His heavenly kingdom. He will be glorified for that forever. And this text, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling in how many ways we could stumble. But He's able to keep us from stumbling. That was Jesus' prayer. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them from the evil one. Right now. In your life, if you're in Christ, Christ is keeping you from stumbling. He's keeping you from falling away from His grace. And He has a plan to present you before the throne of God in a horrible condition? No. When He stands you before His Father, He will present you blameless. A perfect experience of righteousness. 
before the presence of His glory, that glory that would otherwise incinerate us, God in His grace will present us blamelessly and rejoicing with great joy to the only God, our Savior, all through Jesus Christ our Lord. And certainly to Him belongs glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Number six, the glory of God and our spiritual transformation. Hebrews 13, 20-21, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Are you amazed at your sanctification? I'm talking about what you've done. I'm talking about what God has done in you. Do you ever look back and remember who you were? How you used to talk and how you talk now? How you used to handle your emotions and now how you handle them? How you used to not want to serve others and how now it is your delight? I mean, so many different ways that God changes us. Are you different? Are you a different person today than you were five years ago? And do you bring God glory for that? Do you thank Him? Look at what He's done to bring that about. First, He's brought you into peace with Himself. He's totally lifted the burden of condemnation off of you by bringing you to a peaceful relationship with Himself through the cross. No one can change under the weight of condemnation, right? That's a, that's a nightmare to live under. But God has lifted that. And now He's a welcoming Father. And not only that, He's given us what we need in Christ to become all He's planned us to be. He brought from the dead someone we need to shepherd us every day. Who did He bring? The Lord Jesus Christ. He raised Him from the dead and said, here, have a shepherd. Have the best shepherd in the universe. He will, he will provide for your every need. He has given His life for you with an eternal covenant. And so that Christ, that shepherd, God the Father who is for us gives us everything we need through Him, through His great shepherding. He equips us with everything good, everything good that we need to do His will. And not only does He just look over, He doesn't just tell us and say, hey, here's what I want you to do. He equips us with what we need to do His will. He works providentially in our lives to provide all the equipment, not just externally, but internally. He's working in us so that we want to do what is pleasing in His sight. How glorious is the spiritual transformation that God works in His children. It's something that we'll rejoice in and give Him glory for forever. And it's all through Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. To grow in knowledge and grace is a gift of God. Are you growing in knowledge? Is the Word of God opening to you as you study it day after day? That's a gift of God for which you can give Him glory and you will forever. Growing in the knowledge of Christ, growing in the grace of Christ, growing in the appropriation, the usage of all of the gifts of grace that God has given to you. That is something that transforms us and for which 
you will give glory to God forever. Seven, the glory of God in our restoration from affliction. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory, in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. How many of you have old athletic injuries? Maybe military injuries, right? And you, you, you'll never be the same in this earth. Right? We've, got, we've all got these parts of our body that have seen some sort of impact. That just, my ankle doesn't work the same. My hand doesn't work the same. It never will. This is messed up. You know what I mean? We, we just learn to live with it. We compensate, right? And we hobble along through life. Take it more seriously now. How many of you have been altered in some way through suffering? And you'll never be the same in this life. Think about it. Maybe you've lost someone you love. Maybe you've had, God has ordained for you a disease that has changed you. Maybe you've had something, something very sinful happen to you from a very wicked and hostile person that has changed the way you relate with life and even people. You, you, didn't, you didn't bring this upon yourself. You have suffered in some way. Are we going to remain like that forever? No. You will be, and it's amazing how the Apostle Peter stacks these words. There it is. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God Himself. Look at that. How personal. God Himself. The day you see Him in eternal glory, the glory to which He has called you, He is going to completely restore you. In every way. Inside and out. I tried to look at the definitions, individual definitions of these words. It's hard to make them exactly different than each other. They stack and make great emphasis just to say, God is going to renew everything. You will be established. You will be restored. You will be strengthened. And for that, we will bring Him glory forever. Finally, the glory of God in the cross of Christ. This is the song of eternity. We will never grow old and tired of singing the song of the cross. It's, it's the most amazing display of the wisdom of God. I, most of us probably sing at some time as we're working or doing daily tasks. You know, when we're in heaven, we're going to be able, by God's grace, to do all the things that He has designed us to do. Heaven will not just be sitting in some chair somewhere singing. And, you know, we've given to it in, in our culture such a boring perspective. Not a bit. Heaven will be everything you are designed and long to do. And you'll be doing it in the presence of God, in the light of the Lamb forever. And I think as you work, you'll be singing. 
you'll be singing the song of the cross, of the Lamb. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before His throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I just, for emphasis, put a red cross everywhere that refers to Christ and His death on the cross. This will be our song. Through the cross, we have been freed from our sins. Take that phrase in. Freed from our sins. Freed from the punishment of sin. Free from the power of sin over our lives to draw from our lives all of the havoc that, that it can. And one day, free from the presence of sin. How? All through the blood of His cross. This is the song that we see over and over again in Revelation. Revelation 5, 9-14. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is such a stunning, amazing, glorious scene. What is this title that is continually being given to Christ throughout Revelation? What is it? The Lamb. What a picturesque title. The one who so humbly and silently laid down his life and died on the cross to accomplish such mighty works of redemption. The Lamb. I love that name. The Lamb of God. How glorious. Notice this. Notice this. Who is doing some of the singing here? It's not just us. Living creatures. Elders. Angels. Angels numbering countless masses. And then... Every creature is saying this song. Wow. So there's going to be this scene of, I don't know who's all going to be there, created beings, and angels will be singing as, as the redeemed church of Christ is standing before the throne of God. Angels will look at this completed redemptive work, and what will they be compelled to do? Sing. They will look at the work of God in us and they won't be able to hold their tongues singing angels over the completed church in all of the beauty of God's grace. Of course, all the power that was required to bring this about belongs to God and the wealth that funded it and the wisdom that ordained it, the might that 
called it to be, honor, glory, it all belongs to him. All belongs to God and to the Lamb, the one who laid down his life to accomplish all these things. Glory forever and ever. Revelation 7, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. (laughs) From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And those, this, this innumerable number clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with loud voices, singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The one who laid down his life to purchase us for God. And all the angels, again, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is the eternal song. Glory in the cross of Christ. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more neither thirst anymore, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This shepherd, this great shepherd of the sheep, whom the God of peace raised from the dead to equip us and prepare us for heaven, will there also be our great shepherd. He will be there in eternity to guide us, to eternal life, to wipe away every tear, to protect us, to to feed us, to satisfy us, to shelter us in His presence. We will glory in this forever. Well, may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give us the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened so that we might know what is the hope to which He has called us, and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Dear ones, if there's one thing, one thing that I could encourage you to and exhort you to from this weekend, at very least, make it your continual pursuit to know the glory of God. Pursue it. Understand it. See it in the Scriptures. View it in life around you. It's the chief end of man after all, right? To enjoy God and to glorify Him forever. No wonder. No wonder that's what the, the, uh, the writers of catechism put down. Of course it is. It's our end. It's our goal. Pursue it with all of your heart. Are you stirred from this weekend to know God like you have not yet known Him? Seek Him, know Him, see Him, respond to Him in every aspect of your life. 
That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And eternity will continue that pursuit without end and perfectly. And you will rejoice in God forever. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You see God's heart for humanity? He set this. Living for the glory of God is not a God ego trip. It's God giving us what is most precious, that we may delight in him. And he crowned us with glory as his created beings. And yet what happened? What happened? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've lost it. We've lost the creation, the dominion over the creation like we were meant to have. We've lost the ability to see, experience, and reflect and give God glory as we were designed to. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet, the great man, the perfect man, the last Adam, has restored us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And now, what happened? Now we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Through Christ, through justification, we now have a new hope that says, I can stand before God and experience his glory and not be consumed. I will be like God has designed me to be, reflecting and enjoying his glory. But think on this. That's not the only option of eternity, is it? God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Think of the sober words of this text. There will be a mass of humanity that spends eternity away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might. All that we just talked about, which didn't even scratch the surface, all those eight points of enjoying the glory of God forever will not be enjoyed by a mass of humanity. They will never get to experience one flicker of His glory and greatness and goodness. They will only experience His wrath. A punishment, how does Paul say it? a punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. When you look, when you consider the two places where you can spend eternity, 
in the glory of God or away from the glory of his might? Where do you want to spend eternity? What are you drawn to? And you know what, really? Back it up into this life. What do you pursue in this life? What does your live pursuit tell you that you really want? What you long for and desire in this life, is it the glory of God to know Him? To see Him as He is? Then that will continue right on into eternity. If you really don't want to know God and His glory, you're just honest about what your life has been and what it is. And you say, this isn't my pursuit. I don't really want to know the glory of God and to respond to Him with joyful praise. That's not my life. Then what makes you think that eternity will be like that? Consider this carefully, dear ones. Listen, it is too terrifying and sobering of a reality to just turn off and to not listen to carefully. Is your heart going after the glory of God to know Him, to love Him? The difference is, is will you know God now and obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Those, those are the two things that Paul points out there. Those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ or who have believed, resting in Christ because we take the testimony of the apostles of the gospel and we say, that's truth. Christ is my Savior. I'm resting in his life and death and resurrection for my salvation. I believe it's true, and I not only believe it's fact and true, but I rest in him for my eternal life. Which one? Where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? It is the difference between experiencing the glory of God and not experiencing the glory of his might forever when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me food. I was thirsty and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed Me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, and naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the le one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. There it is. Lord, bring us into that place of absolute confidence in the gospel so that we may enjoy the glory of God forever. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Our Father, eternity will be a glorious experience of you. May we long for you now. May we desire to see you as you are, know you as you are. Reflect your glory to others in our love. And respond to you with thanksgiving and praise in all things. Teach us to live for your glory. Change our hearts. Indeed, as we see your glory, we will change. We must change. We cannot do anything but change if we truly see you as you are. Please show us your glory, we pray, for Jesus' sake.